Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loans. A huge explosion of fire for John Forrest. The car exploded going through the lights and this is as bad a fire as we It's the Epping Preview Show as we get ready for the New England Nationals with Tony Pedragon and National Dragsters Kevin McKenna. It's going to be Tim Wilkerson. Wilkerson goes 391-2. We'll get you up to speed on all the storylines as the NHRA Camping World Drag Racing Series heads to the Granite State. Perfect reaction time for Dallas Glenn. Triple zeros across the top of the time slip and at the finish line stripe it's Dallas Glenn. This is the NHRA Insider. It's Bruce Pedregon, 395.8, 324 miles an hour. A margin of victory of 26 ten thousandths of a second. Hey everybody, Brian Loans here and we have a race week on hand and we are heading to my favorite place in the world, New England Dragway in Epping, New Hampshire for the NHRA New England Nationals. It is going to be a great weekend. We've seen increased car counts year over year at this race, so we got full fields happening in Pro Stock, full field happening in Top Fuel, and we may be one car so short in Nitro Funny Car, but it is a market improvement over what we saw for the 2021 running of this race, and I really cannot wait to get in front of the fans of New England and certainly the fans of New England Dragway, which will be coming out in droves. We are expecting to see a fair amount of our Canadian friends back as well, and that's something that's been missing the last couple of years. Of course, 2020, we didn't race in Epping. 2021, uh, we did race in Epping, but the borders, I believe, are still closed at that point. It was still kind of a wacky time, as it has been. But, man, it is uh, shaping up to be a great season. We're going to talk to Tony Pedregon today. We're going to talk to Kevin McKenna at the same time, more of that simultaneous chat that you know and love so much. Going to talk about really uh, which teams have been testing, who's been trying to get most best prepared for Epping, and who's really going to have to start making some hay as we enter into an interesting part of the season. You know, April and May, kind of thin on races. We had three races in April, one at the front half or front end of the month, and then Houston and Charlotte back-to-back. A single race in May, that's all we did was Virginia. And when we get to June, it's another three race month set up much in the way that uh, much in the way that April was with Epping coming in this first weekend of June. Then we have a week off and then it's Bristol and Norwalk back to back. Then it's a brief break and into the Western swing. So this is going to be, in my estimation anyway, the month of June will be a make or break month for teams that are A, trying to get their program sorted and B, teams that want to make a championship run. We talk about the countdown. We talk about resetting things. We talk about the points reset, the expectations changing when we get past the U.S. Nationals. But there is an energy to the regular season, and that energy in the regular season really does ramp up from this point forward. You know, we enter, uh, again, this this kind of busy stretch here. This is the way the teams like it, certainly the way guys like me like it when we get out on the road and really start hammering out the runs and seeing who can separate themselves from the pack. Of course, it has been Brittany Force's season uh, of a lifetime so far. Granted, her championship season was the most memorable one, I'm sure she would tell you, but this point of the year, uh, she has three victories already, something that is uh, unprecedented for her. And certainly at this point of the season, she looks as though that she is in championship form with her entire team. Steve Torrance sitting second in the top fuel points is trailing only Brittany Force. He has not yet won a race, but he has gone rounds effectively everywhere we've been with a scant few exceptions. And, you know, when we look at Epping, the other thing we're going to see again is pro stock cars. And we have not seen pro stock cars since April. The Houston race was the last time we saw Pro Stock on the racetrack. And what we saw in Houston was, of course, Erica Enders doing what Erica does, rising to the occasion, taking advantage of the moment, and winning that drag race, the final national event held at her home racetrack, and doing so in fine fashion. What has happened between now, or rather between then and now, is going to be shown to us when we get to qualifying on Friday at Epic. 
who has made performance strides, who has spent their time wisely, either at the dyno or on the racetrack. I know Eric has been racing a bunch. We'll talk about that when we get the guys, the guests on the show. What has Greg Anderson been doing? What has Dallas Glenn been doing? What has Kyle Koretsky been doing other than operating Maple Grove Raceway now? I mean, these are all questions that uh, we don't have concrete answers to at the moment, but we will find out as soon as those cars make qualifying session one. The other question to ask about Pro Stock, of course, Camry Caruso. They had that intake manifold that had to have been that had to get brought back into spec, so to speak, for this particular race. Now that work was done like two days after Houston, so it's not like uh, it was a major job. They do not feel as though, or that team does not feel as though they're going to lose any power or performance with the intake changes that were mandated by the NHRA Tech Department. So. We'll find out if that's a story. Does that car magically slow down at all? Uh, the weather for this weekend is looking good. Maybe a couple showers on Friday, maybe. But Saturday and Sunday are bang up, knock down, drag out looking conditions. Low 70s, sunny, and it should really bring people out and about to the drag strip. You know, New England Dragway uh, had a bit of a scare over the course of the early part of this year. And that was a group that was attempting to purchase the racetrack. Now, many of you are unfamiliar, but New England Dragway is a privately held corporation that is controlled by shareholders, meaning that uh, people own stock in the company. And there are several hundred of them, I believe close to 500. And in order for the place to ever be sold, uh, they have to get together and vote. And there was a, a serious sounding anyway, offer that came up. And because it is a privately held corporation and when an offer is made, the the board has to put it in front of the shareholders. There was a massive shareholder meeting, the likes of which that this racetrack hasn't seen in decades. And thankfully, the shareholders roundly defeated the proposal to sell the racetrack. And it was uh, a victory for all of us who love drag racing in this region. New England has a small handful of drag strips. Uh, we have Winterport in Maine. We have Oxford Plains Dragway in Maine. Uh, we have uh, the very eastern end of New York, Lebanon Valley Dragway. That's a quarter-mile track. The other tracks in Maine are Eighth Mile. And New England Dragway is the one national event facility in the region. So uh, we need to protect that place for all it's worth. And thankfully, the shareholders certainly felt the same way. They did not take a, a quick buck, if you will, to sell the legacy of the place uh, up, up and away. So... That was, uh, that was something we'll probably end up talking a little bit about that on the broadcast, uh, but it was a great triumph for those of us who love drag racing in New England and those of us who have a real passion for the facility of New England Dragway. It is a unique place to come. If you've never been to Epping before, if you're coming to New England Dragway for the first time, be prepared for an old school, and I mean this in a good way, old school style experience. Um, it does not have the modern bells and whistles of a Z-Max or of a strip at, at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. What it does have, though, is immense amounts of charm. Uh, I would encourage you strongly to pick a different spot to sit in for each of the sessions. I would encourage you to get up on the fence by the starting line for one of the fuel sessions. You'll never be closer at a national event to a top fuel dragster or a nitro funny car than you are at Epping uh, because of the proximity of the fences there. I would encourage you to sit up on what we call Spectator Hill, which is the large hill on the left-hand side as you're looking down the racetrack. Another very unique vantage point to watch a drag race from because you have this, this kind of big um, you have this big, almost panoramic view to be able to see the entire race. It's a unique, unique spot. So I hope you're going to be coming to New England Dragway. If not, our coverage will be on FS1 all weekend long. And if you're coming, take advantage of the facility. It's not the biggest place in the world, so you can get around pretty easy. You can check out the pits. You can see all that stuff in relative close proximity. 
It's, of course, the home track of Bob Tasca, and Bob will be trying to win his first national event at New England Dragway in his Nitro Funny Car, and he will be certainly a, uh, a, a racer that many, many people will be cheering on because of his proximity as he comes from Cranston, Rhode Island. So that's my fired-up intro to this show. I'm going to get our conversations going here as Kevin McKenna and Tony Pedragon joining us here at the same time. I chatted with them, and this is exactly how it went. All right, so I have both of my guests on the line here, Tony Pedragon and Kevin McKenna, joining us for this pre-epping discussion. Gentlemen, how was your Memorial Day weekend? I'll start with you, McKenna. Uh, it, it was great. It was. Uh, I think I did what most of America did, which was taking as much motorsports as I could from uh, the Friday night Silver Crown race at IRP to watching Monaco and Indy 500, Coke 600. Uh, despite all that, I'm still ready for more racing. I'm glad NHRA is back next week. Now, Tony, you actually went to the 500, if I understand correctly. Yeah, Brian, and all of that was just a warm-up for the weekend. <laughs> uh, in fact, Kevin and I sat together for a while till we snuck up to the Lucas Suite at IRP, but we went from shivering cold to uh, <laughs> mid-80s on Sunday, and it's now 90 degrees. But the good news for Epping is the forecast looks good, at least for Saturday, Sunday, and uh, hopefully it changes Friday. They they forecast a little bit of rain, but who knows? But overall, it's going to be cool, mid seventies, and those will be the highs. And anytime it's cool, it means it's going to be quick. Yeah, that's a fact. And uh, good surface at Epping, of course, and right by sea level, so it should be uh, it should be a rock and roll weekend. You know, Kevin, one of the first things I want to talk about is the fact that uh, as small a victory as this may sound like, we went from categories that had twelve cars in it last year to almost full fields across the board. Pro stock and top fuel are both full. Funny car, I think we're going to come up about one short, but still forward progress as far as the car count to a race that really is among the uh, outliers in terms of geography. Yeah, it, it's th- that is good news, and uh, I think things continue to trend in, in the right direction as far as that's concerned. Uh, I think one thing that, that's awesome is when you look at Pro Stock, I think you've got 16 cars that are actually committed to the full season chasing points. So when you get down towards the end of the year to figure out the top 10, uh, that's going to be a pretty epic battle. Oh, it absolutely will be. And and I want to start uh, our conversation here in Top Fuel, and I want to start, you know, you brought up the top 10, so let's start there. Um, let's talk about the people that are barely hanging on to being in the top 10 and those that are outside of it, Tony, because there are some big names that have just not been able to get any sort of uh, forward progress going for themselves so far this season. You know, Brian, and up to this point, I don't think there's any need for any team to panic, but I, I think this next little stretch um, is really going to tell – a lot and it's going to do a lot for those teams yeah you look at the top 10 and top fuel and sean langdon's the one hanging on uh schumacher seems uh, he's ninth he seems to be making some progress so that's good news for him uh you know doug who's really underachieved in my opinion he's eighth but i look for him to be in the top five over the next few races the big surprises are really antron uh leah who has a, a, a very well running car i mean ideally or rather um, I mean, I think that's a top five car. I think she, she's had her issues. She's lost some close races. She's made improvements, and they've still lost some close races. But I think that's going to continue in the class. I think what it's going to come down to is a lot of good cars that are going to be hitting their stride soon. I think it's going to be on the shoulders of the drivers. Among those names you brought up, I know that Antron tested, right? Has Leah tested? Has that car been down the racetrack, or are they just going to wait and see for Epping? But it does seem to me that Antron has, has got the throttle down in terms of trying to get his uh, his program turned in the right direction. 
the Antron continues to test. Uh, Kevin, you can probably talk a little bit about it. You were right there at the track uh, hearing, hearing all the runs. Yeah, yeah, a little close enough. Uh, they don't need to tell me when they're testing. I can just open the window. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I know that Antron has been out a couple times. Uh, I think talking to him, they feel like they've made progress. But uh, again, it's a little frustrating when you know you maybe have a productive test session and that doesn't translate into results uh, at your next event. But that that being said, I think we're about ready to head into the part of the season. Uh, maybe not Epping, but you know the warm weather races are coming up, places like Bristol and Norwalk, and and, and I think that represents a whole new dynamic where you might see some cars that uh, had previously un- underperformed step up and, uh, you know, conversely, some of the guys that have off to a good start might struggle to adapt. So, so I think that's kind of what we're looking at uh, going forward here. Yeah, and, and I think when we talk about that situation, I mean, we have to we have to talk about Brittany here because to me, you know, we've we've seen Brittany and David Grebnik and that entire team this year, you know, not necessarily elevate themselves because they've been that good, but we've actually seen the whole – the whole inner workings of that team come together in a way that we've never seen before. She's got three wins on the season already. And Tony, you know, when we talk about, you know, championship level teams, I think one of the things that's impressed me most about Brittany is that not necessarily, she hasn't been knocked down so far this year, but when she has taken her lumps and she has once or twice, she's bounced right back at the following race. I think that's one of the strengths of Brittany. And I pointed this out a few times on the show. I think she's very solid. She seems very focused. She's not, getting distracted she's not profiling for the camera she's not winking at it doing all these crazy things that are a distraction i think a driver a professional should focus and she she really shows all of those traits and that's a good thing Uh, i think she she operates in a very consistent range she has made improvements but you know one thing that i see with her and her driving because the car that has been a championship winning car ever since she won her first championship. Yeah. Um, you know, the competition has been good. And, you know, of course, uh, you know, Steve Torrance, he's had the Midas touch for, you know, for quite some time now, but what I see in Brittany this year, if, and I think Steve has let, I think Steve has let a couple of them get away. And I don't think he's going to do that as, as we get towards the middle part of the season, especially to, to the end of the season. I think that, Steve Torrance is just one of those championship drivers. He's proved it time and time again. But Brittany Force, if if these drivers allow her to, to remain and be consistent on the starting line, to maintain the good car control, the consistency that she has had, and with the performance of that car, she will pick these guys apart all day long if they are going to allow it. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and you know, Kevin, uh, Tony mentioned Steve Torrance, and it, it's – it's not shocking, but you look at the top 10 and you're like, this guy's second in the points. You know, he's had this quote unquote quiet season so far, but there he is. He's, he's basically 80 points out of the, the points lead. Sure. He's done everything but win a race. And, and, and I would tend to think that that is going to change here. Uh, very quickly. You looked at the Torrance family, I believe has won the last three Eppings. Uh, so, so there's every reason to think the tide might turn this week. Uh, but you know, as Steve has mentioned numerous times, you know th- they've changed their combination. Uh, th- they're trying to adapt. They're trying to improve, and uh, they know that they could go back to what has worked at any time. I don't think they they want to do that. Uh, it, that would probably be a last resort. But I also think there's enough talent there to uh, to figure out their new path, and uh, you know th- they may emerge from that even stronger than they had been previously. 
and you know, let's talk a little bit about Mike Salinas as well because I I feel like he, obviously it's a good car, multiple 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 wins so far this season. I do feel as though he's kind of the wild card guy in this top five, meaning that I'm not necessarily sure which guy I'm getting on a week to week basis. Is that a fair statement, Tony? I think so. And just to go back on the Antron testing, it was interesting that he was in the Mike Salinas car making test runs. And, you know, of course, Mike was out of town. I'm sure he had business commitments. But do you find it a coincidence that the Mike Salinas car has been all over the racetrack the last couple of races? And, you know, if you think about one of the other reasons why a driver like Antron would, what they would gain by putting him in the car is it's either the car or the driver. You know, I point out some things that, I mean, the driver tells the car where to go. And we see that car occasionally. It'll make a nice straight run. And then we see it all over the racetrack. I think personally that uh, Mike is oversteering, overcorrecting the car. Uh, We're talking about a driver that doesn't have a lot of race experience when he started doing this full time and competing with the big dogs. And, you know, I, I like Mike Salinas as a person. I think he's a great guy. I think he does uh, good interviews. He's he's. I think he's something that someone to cheer for because he's not one of the bigger funded teams. He, of course, has all the funding and resources to be competitive uh, and to go toe to toe with all the big names. But this is about car control. This is about what we are seeing on the racetrack. I'm just I'm just delivering what we're all seeing, and and it's oversteering. And I I, I don't know. I'm sure they're going to gather some information whether they made a couple of runs, one or two runs or three runs. I'm not sure of, but that'll be interesting to see what kind of data uh, they accumulated by having a different driver in the car. And uh, I think it'll be interesting to get some feedback from Antron on what, uh, how that car, the driving characteristics of his car are, are differ from what Antron gets in. And, you know, of course, when these cars are the kind of power that they're making today and they get the stages of clutch, I mean, the harder they run, the quicker they run, um, they do become a little more challenging to negotiate. And I think that's one of the things. I think it's a handful for Mike right now. And, um, you know, he remains to be competitive. That car is going to be there. But that's one of the things he's going to have to contain. Because when you're crossing over into your opponent's lane, whether it's just before or just past the finish line, at some point that could that could create a big problem. If, if the other driver is drifting to the inside yeah. and Mike goes across that, we've seen it many times where there's been a high-speed collision, and that never ends well. You know, let's transition into the Nitro Funny Car category. And, and Kevin, in your estimation, kind of how important was it for Height and Proc to get that victory in Virginia? Obviously, they've been part of this, you know, kind of three-man show we've had so far this year. But it really, to me, um, not necessarily put him back on the map, but it certainly reinforced the idea that he's not going anywhere. Uh, You know, that team has been a a little bit baffling because – First, you think any team that has Jimmy Proc is going to be, uh, should be consistently competitive, should always contend for race wins. And, and it's baffling to me that they struggled so much back to last year during the countdown. Yeah. Now, obviously, they came out this year much, much stronger. Um, yeah, as far as how important it was, I, I don't think it was, you know, a, a season-changing win, but but it's always nice to, to put up another win, uh, you know, a, a, Obviously, they, they say you're only as good as your last run. Yeah, uh, I think it, it builds confidence not just with driver, with crewmen and things. Uh, and, and yeah, it does probably solidify what we already know, which is you know th- they are certainly belong in the uh, 
you know, that top three, top four group that, that includes, you know, Hagen and Caps and, and John Force even, um, you know, that, that kind of seem to have maybe separated themselves a little bit from the rest of the field. You know, Tony, we 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 talk about on the show sometimes uh, a driver will see his opponent getting out ahead of him, and and his hands may move that way if his eyes are looking over across the lane. Do you think it was in the in the sense of Heights' victory, like important not to let Hagen get that far out ahead? We all know that the points get reset for the countdown, but there is a mental kind of part of this game, and part of that game is understanding that you can stand in the ring with the best, and and that's what they had to do in that final round in Virginia. You know, but I just see this shaping up to be uh, an all-time showdown of not just three. And those three are, of course, Robert, they're Hagen. Uh, you know, you can't discount Caps. You know, he hasn't won as, as much as I think he's going to. But uh, the way that car runs, the, the team that they have, this is the same team that we've been talking about that has been winning races. It's Caps. It's the combination of John Medlin, Dean Antonelli. They have a good crew. They're very solid. I think they're going to get their licks in. But it's going to be Hagen, it's going to be Robert, it's going to be Caps, and you know, to to comment on the level of confidence, I, I think the three of them have a level of respect for one another because they know it's going to come down to the three of them. But I do see someone, um, and maybe a couple drivers, uh, you know, entering that that equation. To me, Tasca is is the next guy that I think could step into that level, that caliber of consistency off the starting line. I think that they have the car. Uh, they found their car. They found their setup. Yeah, they did. Uh, I think they were run. Yeah, they were running with them up until the semifinals. But you know, when you you talk about Robert and his combination, you know, when anyone gets in trouble, they always go back to the basics, to the fundamentals, because the fundamentals never change. And um, I think that that's what Tasca has done and, and Mike Neff. Uh, I just, I think that when they figure out how to tune it and how to adjust from the first, second, the semifinals and how to race these guys, because you do have to be very aggressive. I think they just pulled it back a little too much. Um, you know, Bobby did knock the top light out, which scrubbed a little bit of the elapsed time off, but you know, drivers are going to do what they have to, to win. You know, I know the crew chiefs always want the driver to drive one way. They have their egos. They want the elapsed time, but, you know, I'm all for, I've been on both sides of the fence and, and I just, I think you need to let a driver do what a driver needs to do to win. And if you, if you wanted to ask anyone, um, how, how to win, just ask John force. Okay. This guy, <laughs> he's driven a certain way. This guy is scratched, pulled hair, has done what it has taken to win. And the driver is the last guy that, that makes that call. And, um, I, I, you know, I, I, I guess if there was any surprise, it's Tim Wilkerson. I think Tim can still jump up and win any race. And when he does, I think he's going to do it in an impressive way. But, um, you know, Cruz is still, he's one of the wild cards, but it's just, it's going to be those top three guys in the end. If, if somebody wants to come to the party, now's the time. So those kind of a couple of good storylines in the funny car category. And we finally got pro stock back, Kevin. It has been, it seems like it's been a year since we've seen pro stock cars around because we've had this kind of lull in the schedule and we last saw them in Houston, right? I mean, it's been a while. Yeah. And which also, uh, you know, as we know, things never sit still in pro stock. So you have to wonder uh, this, this little month long break or so who has made the most use of that time uh, as far as testing you know, I know for sure the elite cars have tested. Pretty sure Camry Caruso has tested. And I wouldn't be surprised to know that some of the KB guys have been out. So, you know, again, what have they learned? 
What can they apply to the upcoming races? Uh, obviously, they also deal with, uh, you know, changing weather and track as we get into the summer. You know, maybe not as dramatic as the nitro cars, but there still is a change coming to the setup. So th that kind of jumbles thing across the board. And, you know, we'll see who comes out of this uh, stronger and, and, and ready to make some hay this summer. Yeah, I'd have to believe Greg Anderson's tested. I mean, I think Greg's uh, I think Greg's frustrated by where his season has gone to this point. And, you know, Tony, it's one of those things where, these these breaks in the schedule can be you know can be bad I guess if you got some momentum but for a guy like Greg Anderson I think he probably welcomed this to be able to go back and like you said maybe revisit the fundamentals and see exactly what he needs to do to get back really where he belongs. Well, when I look at the top ten or rather top fifteen in pro stock, I mean it's pretty amazing that Chris McGahey, who is always in the top ten, he's sitting fifteen. Yeah. So it's going to be I mean it's going to be a battle just for for a lot of these drivers that are sitting out of the top ten just to get back in it. But, you know, as I look down, you start from the top. I mean, there are some drivers that need to improve their performance, and, and there are some drivers that that just need a better car. And and I think Greg Anderson is, is one of those. I think his car is as good as, as anyone's. Um, and Greg will be the first one to tell you that, you know, he's good, he's solid. But, you know, when you look at the level of competition and the performance – it, what it comes down to is, again, it falls on the driver's shoulders. And I think that's one of the things that Greg has been able to do so many times in the past. Uh, he's let several races slip away. Uh, it lost a lot of them on hole shots, close races. But, again, it's going to come down to the ability uh, to get that jump off the starting line. And I think that, um, you know, hey, if Greg can find another hundredth or two, uh, I think that's great. But it seems like he's had that on the field. He's just, you know, he's lost some of those key races. And, and I think that um, – I, I don't think it's going to continue. The, the question is, or the key is, is is to be able to do it on a consistent basis. You know, you go down to the countdown, you're talking about that, that six-race stretch where you really have to be good. And, you know, I think, I think now is the time that Greg is going to have to build that confidence. But he's going to have to start winning some races – for a driver to get that confidence and to be able to do it consistently, you got to start knocking some wins down and, you know, you got to compete with Erica and Aaron, Aaron Stanfield, one of those drivers that he's always solid. It just needs a little more consistency. And, you know, of course, Kyle seems to have a good car again, but, you know, again, improvements on the starting line is where it needs to start for Kyle. And then there's Dallas Glenn sitting fourth right behind him. And, you know, he's, um, he's, he's good on the trigger. He's just got to, uh, he, you know, you look at the KB cars and then you start wondering about, you know, about Troy Coughlin Jr. You see him and Bo. I mean, those are two very accomplished, capable drivers. They just, just yeah. need a car that's a little quicker, a little more consistent. You know, Kevin, you mentioned the Elite Motorsports uh, crew has likely been out testing. One of the things I know that Erica's been doing, she has run uh, several Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series events over this time. And, you know, we talk about keeping those skills sharp. And it, listen, if if I'm coming into Epping and I haven't been in my car that much and she has been in a car for multiple weeks, that's to me, that's bad news for everybody else because she has definitely kept up the tempo in terms of making runs, whether it's in a comp car or otherwise, she's still been hitting the tree. Yeah, and, and as most of them will tell you, uh, Seat time is seat time, regardless of if it's a different type of car, a different class. The more looks you get at the Christmas tree, at the starting line, uh, it, it's, it's all beneficial in some way. Um, but, but also, I, I want to go back to, to Tony's point about Greg Anderson. The, probably the most telling stat this year in Pro Stock is that that car has not qualified number one yet. Yeah. And that is, 
mind-boggling. I mean, I, I realize we're only five races in for pro stock, but you've had a couple times he's been sixth, seventh, fourth a couple times. Uh, that That is very unlike Greg Anderson, especially last year where, you know, he was rarely out of the top three. Uh, so, so, yeah, I, I tend to agree with Tony that whatever they're missing there, performance-wise, uh, you know, w- when they find it, uh, the, you'll see much better results. We do not have Pro Stock Motorcycle in Epping. That being said, that class has provided uh, both on and off the racetrack, provided some of the best entertainment we've had all year. You know, Kevin, you really have a close kind of pulse on Pro Stock Motorcycle. What's been going on in the uh, in the off time since since the Virginia race? Uh, it's it's been fairly quiet, except for the NHRA Tech Department. Yeah. Uh, they, they've been very active here lately, adjusting weights, uh, you know, up and down, 10 pounds here and there for the, the V-Twins and, and the Suzukis. Uh, it, it remains to be seen what effect that'll have, especially long-term. Um, I mean, obviously, the goal is to, is to maintain parity, which I think they've done a very good job, although, you know, they're just, aren't that many V twins running right now. You know, I mean, a- Angie Smith kind of being the exception. Yeah. Uh, and, and of course, Ryan Ayler, as far as very competitive bikes. Um, but for the class as a whole, uh, it, what you're seeing is, is amazing. The fact that, you know, the, the two best bikes in the class right now uh, are, are really not Vance and Heinz bikes. And, and when's the last time we could say that? Yeah, you're right. It's been a long time when you, when you talk about it in that context, for sure. Uh, we talked about the pro stock category and, and you mentioned Kyle Koretsky, Tony, and, and you're obviously friendly with the, and close with the Koretsky family. Uh, hi, have you been talking to Kenny since he's uh, taken ownership of Maple Grove? And if so, uh, I'm sure there's already been some good stories there. <laughs> he had a, he's, he told me he had a perfectly good life before he bought the track. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's been there every day, but you know, and I think that a lot of people are going to appreciate uh, what the Caressi family is going to do to that facility. They're going to put their signature on it. And I think that it has landed in the right hands. I think anyone that knows Kenny and how he does things, he's doing it right. He's investing a lot of money. I think the, um, you know, the, the, the customer attention, the customer care that he's going to provide. I, I just think they want to see it successful. Um, they've already received the news. That's going to be a network show. It's going to have a great lead in. So, um, you know, you just a facility like that in, in its history, it's only needed a good forecast. I mean, it's just amazing. We, yeah. we always talk about Winter Nationals and, of course, Gainesville and the U.S. Nationals being some of the biggest events. But, you know, Maple Grove is right up there. You just you just need some good weather. I think it's rained on him every weekend. <laughs> he's on the track. So. I think he's got some some good credits coming his way. Yeah, it's it's cool and and you know we've we've talked about it a little bit on the show, but it's been a it it was such a great thing that 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 family is the one that got hold of that property and and it would have been it would have been a, a, a tragedy to some degree if it had not been sold to racers that uh, have certainly the resources to dedicate to to really bring the bringing the place up to you know, a level that, that they were want to be proud of, a level that the, the sport and the fans can be proud of as well. So yeah, as you mentioned, that's gonna be our um that's gonna be our our network race that is uh, around the NFL game. So there's gonna be a huge amount of eyeballs there. And then uh, the second thing which I believe has been announced, and if it hasn't yet, I'll probably get in trouble for saying it, but Pro Stock is gonna be added to that race. So Pro Stock will have a six race countdown, which again, uh, Kevin, does change the complexion of things at the end of the season. Um Sure it does. It's, uh, I believe it, it, it expands the, the field, the number of drivers that can potentially win the championship. Yeah. You know, with six, with six races, you maybe get a mulligan or two, 
uh, if you happen to have a bad race. Uh, I don't know that you, you have that luxury w with five, you know, w where each event is, is essentially 20% of your score. Uh, so, so yeah, that uh, will be interesting to see if at the end of the year when we're ready to crown a champion, if having that additional event uh, makes a difference. Uh, I say it probably will, uh, just given how close and how competitive Pro Stock is right now. No, it makes total sense. Yeah, I mean, any time anytime you're able to, like you said, spread it, spread the love out a little bit more and, and maybe give yourself a little breathing room. That being said, the way it's looking right now, it's uh, it's looking like the Erica show. So we'll find out if that's uh, kind of still the way it looks by the end of the season. All right, so one last question for both of you guys. I want three picks for this race in Epping this weekend. Kevin, you go first. Uh, I assume you mean one for each class? Sure. Uh, uh, all right, uh, well, I, I'm going to take the low-hanging fruit since you let me go first. <laughs> I, think, I think I think Steve Torrance is, is very much overdue for a win. Uh, I think that Bob Tasca is, is, is very much overdue for a win, and I think he'd like nothing more than, than to win at his home track. Oh, sure. That would probably mean every bit as much to him as an Indy win or uh, some of the other bigger events. And uh, Pro Stock, you know, I, I'm tempted to, to go with Erica just because of what she's accomplished so far, but uh, I think the guy that is over the, the guy that's only missing luck is Dallas Clan. Okay. Uh, you know, a couple of really tough races. Uh, you know, parts breakage. I think once you get that resolved, you will see the Dallas that uh, really uh, sort of kicked ass last year. All right, Kevin. I mean, rather, all right, Tony. What do you got? Okay. Well, I'm going to agree with you in funny car because I think that uh, Tasca. I, not necessarily because it's his backyard. I know he's going to have a lot of family there and a lot of uh, friends and, and uh, employees, but I, I just think that they're they're on the right. They have the momentum coming into this this race. I see a lot of good things from them. Uh, in top fuel, I'm going to go with Justin Ashley. Ooh, okay. Wow. I'm going to go with Justin. I think I think uh, I agree. I think Steve will be in the final. He'll at least be in the semifinals. I see Brittany being one of those semifinalists. Uh, I just think that Justin, they've uh, they've made some mistakes, whether it's in the clutch or the car or the power. I know that some of the races have been a little unpredictable in terms of the track prep or the weather conditions, the climate, and the, the level of power. Um, I just I think Justin is due, and I, I think he's always capable of. of, of I, I rank him in, in in the top two or three in top fields in terms of drivers. Um, and at Pro Stock, I say this is where Greg comes out. I think he comes out. And um, and does his job on the starting line. I think he's going to come out with a good car at sea level. Um, I, I just I think that I think that it's time for Greg to rise to the occasion, and I think I think uh, it, it can be a good weekend for him. All right, man. That's just those are good picks. Those are actually some good picks right there. I feel like. I'm not. I'm not picking Tasca to win. I'm saying he makes the final. I'm actually going way off the reservation here. I think Wilkerson. I, I feel like this is. I feel like this is a Wilkerson weekend because he's going to come out of the shadows, come out of nowhere, and and thump a couple of guys to get the job done. So I'm. I'm saying Wilk in funny car beating Task in the final. Uh, in top fuel, I think Brock gets his first one. I've been waiting for Austin to do something. We saw. We saw a little bit of the uh, the kind of sharks uh, come into the water in Virginia. So I'm going to go with Brock um, in top fuel. And in pro stock, I'm going with Erica. I'm not betting against Erica. I think I think the uh, the war path ride of the year continues there. So uh, we're all over the place, all three of us. Just, the only thing you guys lined hey. up on was Tasca. Hey, Brian, just one sleeper in the funny car field that's going to be John Force. And I got a cool story. I was at the 500, and I was bouncing around uh, turn one, turn two. I went up to the Lincoln Welder Suite, 
I uh, stopped in and dropped uh, dropped in and saw some old friends at Pennzoil Quaker State. I went to the Snap-on Suite, and um, and when you walk out of the suite, there's some some there's seating right in front, and they were just out of turn four on the inside. And um, someone pointed, they said, "Hey, there's John Force over there." So I hollered at him, and yeah, <laughs> it's just kind of funny to see him completely out of his element. But he told <laughs> me he worries more. He's more nervous watching Graham on the track than he is himself on the racetrack. But I, I think that John, uh, you know, he's coming off a red light start at the last race. Uh, John's been there, done that so many times. I don't see that happening again. But as far as the car, the car's performance, I really think those guys are starting to hit, hit, uh, hit their stride. So I uh, I look for John to, if it's not Tasca, I would say that John would be next on the list. And he's done it up there at Epping before. He had that highly emotional win uh few years ago i forget which year it was 14 or 15 maybe when um i think they had someone had made the comment that they were going to rip his throat out and he got out of the car and and he was fired up and and he was holding the wall and <laughs> i mean it was cool it was like it was it was a lot of emotion it wasn't um it wasn't the bubbly over the top john emotion it was almost rage when he got out of the car that weekend it was cool so brian when you guys come out to pomona i can give you all the good places to eat uh, since that's your part of the country where uh, what do we eat and where do we go Oh, man. I mean, uh, the possibilities are endless. Uh, obviously, everybody comes up here and they, they chow down on the lobster and the seafood. There's a place in Portsmouth called the Ore House. That's O-A-R House for those of you playing at home. Um, it's a great, great place to go. It's a great place uh, that I've actually dragged you there once or twice. We've done dinner there a couple of times. There's all kinds of places to, uh, to, to, to feed the need up there in Epping. And if you want the local experience, there's a place called Telly's around the corner from the racetrack, which is like the racer hangout. So if you want to see racers or you want to hang out with drag racers, you go to Telly's about two miles from the track. So there you have it. Thanks. If, if I'm in that first place, I don't know if Kevin can go, but can you take me there? <laughs> <laughs> I you know, I, uh, I, I, I'm going to tell you, I, I, I am going to uh, miss the Epping race, but this is an excused absence because while you guys are eating lobster uh, in New England, I will be in Paris uh, ready for the 24 hours of Le Mans. So Man. Make, yeah. make of that what you will. Not, no jealousy. <laughs> You'll be eating escargot. You'll be eating the other, yes. the other shellfish over there. No, that's going to be a fantastic trip. <laughs> And uh, it's, this is your second time going to Le Mans, right? Uh, it's, it's, it's actually the third. And uh, for, for a guy that grew up drag racing, you know, 99.9% of the time, I, I sort of have this uh, odd affinity for sports car racing. And um, that the Le Mans is, is really an amazing event. Uh, you know, e even if you're not a, a sports car and endurance fan, I would uh, highly recommend it to, to anyone as a tourist destination. Well, you can put on your jacket with the elbow patches and smoke your pipe with your knit wool cap on as you watch the sporty car set drive around uh drive around on circuit de la sarth over there or circuit la sarth. I'm, I'm on the mission to find the best champagne and caviar i'll give you a full <laughs> report when i get back all right tony you and me will be at mcdonald's he'll be eating he'll be eating escargot and uh both you guys have a great week and tony i'll see you in a couple days up at epic see you there filet fish it is <laughs> good guys take care <laughs> Man, I love catching up with those guys, kind of getting the scoop, getting the inside story, and getting their opinions on how they see the rest of the season shaping up, and really, in a micro level, how they see this weekend in Epping, New Hampshire shaping up. It is my home track. It is uh, basically my favorite race of the year, and certainly, a, to a degree, kind of a homecoming. I get to catch up with people that I don't get to see that frequently anymore, people who I used to see every weekend when I worked at New England Dragway as the track announcer and race director and all the different types of stuff I did over the years at that drag strip. Please come out and see us this weekend at the New England Nationals. You can get tickets on NHRA.com. They are available. 
Score some seats. It is going to be great. New England is an interesting place to come watch a drag race. You are up close and personal with the cars in ways that you simply aren't at other racetracks. When you're on the fence by the starting line, you are closer to a top fuel car making a run than at any other drag strip on the NHRA National Event Tour. The New England Nationals will be great this weekend. The competition will be hairy. We'll be back next week with a recap of the race, and we'll look forward to Bristol, which will be the next race on the tour. We're going to the Granite State this weekend. We hope to see you there. If not, tune in to watch us on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday with qualifying coverage early in the weekend and final round elimination coverage following the NASCAR race on Sunday on FS1. It's going to be great. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fast, and I cannot wait to get to New England Dragway. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.